Hi, this is Felix Meranyika, lead pastor of Kairos Christian Center in Lilonga, Malawi. I am happy that you have joined us for the Kairos Lilonga podcast, and I believe God is going to inspire you and break you through into your kingdom destiny as you hear the word unpack. This is your Kairos moment, God's appointed season for your kingdom breakthrough. While they were talking with him, the king's eunuchs arrived and hurried to bring Haman to the feast that Esther had prepared. So the king and Haman went in to feast with Queen Esther. And on the second day, as they were drinking wine after the feast, the king again said to Esther, What is your wish, Queen Esther? It shall be granted to you. And what is your request? Even to the half of my kingdom it shall be fulfilled. Then Queen Esther answered, If I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it please the king, let my life be granted me for my wish and my people for my request. For we have been sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. If we had been sold merely as slaves, men and women, I'll have been silent. For our affliction is not to be compared with the loss to the king. Then King Ahusura said to Queen Esther, Who is he? And where is he? Who has dared to do this? And Esther answered, A foreign enemy, this wicked Haman. Then Haman was terrified before the king and the queen. And the king arose in his wrath from wine drinking and went into the palace garden. But Haman stayed to beg for his life from Queen Esther. For he saw that harm was determined against him by the king. And the king returned from the palace garden to the place where they were drinking wine. As Haman was falling on the couch where Esther was. And the king said, Will he even assault the queen in my presence in my own house? As the word left the mouth of the king, they covered Haman's face. Then Harbona, one of the eunuchs in attendance on the king, said, Moreover, the gallows that Haman has prepared for Mordecai, whose word saved the king, is standing at Haman's house 50 cubits high. And the king said, Hang him on that. So they hung Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the wrath of the king abated. We have an enemy that is ensuring and making sure that you and I don't do the things that God has called us to do. The enemy is very, very knowledgeable of the fact that as we do what God has called us to do, it means that we are dispossessing him of his power, of his authority, and we're ushering in the kingdom of God into the earth. And so he will do everything in his power to ensure that he stops you. And I think if there's something that you and I need to remember as we live our lives on a daily basis, we need to remind ourselves is the fact that we're living in enemy territory and that this enemy is a very cunning enemy that will try everything to stop us from moving into the destiny that God has for us. In actual fact, when you go up against the enemy, and I'm sure that people here that are right now in a battle, in a struggle with the enemy, when you go up against the enemy, you kind of like feel like, man, I, I can't do this. I can't do this. I mean, from every area of your life, every quarter of your life, it seems like he has cornered you. In fact, if the truth were to be told, the enemy has a file on you and on me. The enemy has a dossier on you and on me. He, he has been watching us and our families and our bloodlines and the things that we are prone to. He's been watching us and he's been trapping us. Hallelujah. I mean, isn't it, doesn't it feel like the time that you've just broken through, you've come at a place where it's like, oh, things are starting to move forward. That's when you feel trapped again. That's the enemy. And many times it feels like this enemy already has outplayed you, already has outplayed me. He has outwitted us. He knows our next step. But I believe that this passage reminds us that God outplays the enemy to move you into your destiny. God outplays the enemy to move you into your destiny. Tell your neighbor, God outplays the enemy 
to move you into your destiny. Tell the other one, God outplays you, outplays the enemy. Okay, let me say it again. God outplays the enemy to move you into your destiny. And that's what is happening in this passage. And there are some several issues here that you and I better understand in terms of how God outplays the enemy to move us into our destiny. Number one, I want you to understand, you should understand the divine kairos. Number one, the divine kairos. So we see this in Esther, chapter number 6, verse number 14, to verse number, chapter number 7, verse number 2. First, uh, first of all, we see Esther 6, 14 says, While they were talking with him, the king's eunuchs arrived and hurried to bring Haman to the feast that Esther had prepared. So the king and Haman went in to feast with King Esther. Now, of course, this story started in chapter number 1, and it's a, it's a continuation of a story. There's a gentleman by the name of Haman who has... Uh, had some beef with a gentleman called Mordecai. And he is trying to kill the people of Mordecai so that uh, he, in fact, he, he just hates the people of Mordecai. And so Esther is that person that God has set in the house of the king to help the Jews in this season when they are at the brink of being destroyed. And so Esther at first was reluctant to go and speak to the king on behalf of the Jews. But later on she realizes that my calling is for such a time as this that right now I'm supposed to serve the purposes of the kingdom of God. And so Esther agrees with Mordecai that they're going to fast three days. And at the end of the, three, of the three days she is going to go into the king's court. And there she is going to declare to the king her request that the Jews be spared. Right? And so what she has done is, first of all, she has invited the king and his right-hand man, Haman, who is also the enemy of the Jews, invited them to a feast. And at that feast, she has said, okay, I want to invite you to another feast. And so that's what has happened right now. She, uh, she has just invited the king and Haman to another feast. And so they're going to another feast. Now, again, note this. I don't know if I was... If I was uh, Esther, I probably would have jumped at the first chance that I had to speak to the king. Isn't it? The first chance that you have, you have access to the king. I mean, you can't go into the king unless he raises up uh, his, his golden scepter to you. Meaning to say that he has accepted you. If he doesn't raise up his golden scepter, it means you're dead. They're going to kill you. But here is the king that has raised up the golden scepter. And I, I, if I was Esther, I would have said, this is the time. This is the time to ask the king if he can spare us. But no, she waits. She waits. She has the first chance. She says, listen, there's going to be another fist. And we're told that after this fist, in fact, the day after this fist is when the conversation is happening. Watch again, verse number one of chapter number seven. And on the second day, as they were drinking wine after the fist, the king again said to Esther, what is your wish, Queen Esther? It shall be granted to you. And what is your request? Even to half of my kingdom, it shall be fulfilled. Now watch that again. Esther is waiting on timing. Hallelujah. Amen. Esther has been fasting, dry fast, three days, three nights, waiting for this opportunity. I want to believe that in her fasting and in her prayer, there is this sensitivity to the Holy Spirit that makes her aware that now is not the time. You hang on, hang on up until the opportune time. Oh friend, listen. When we are a people of prayer, when we are a people that are in fasting and prayer, we are sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
or some of the things that we mess up in our lives, we mess them up because we are not aware of our kairos. We are not aware of the time. We move before the time is, before God's time has aligned itself. Hallelujah. And so when we do that, we find ourselves missing the move of God, missing the purpose of God. Listen, to outwit the enemy, to outplay the enemy, you must understand that you must move according to God's time. Tell your neighbor, move according to God's time. In the Old Testament, it speaks of the sons of Issachar, the tribe of Issachar. It says that these were men who knew the times and knew what Israel ought to do. Oh, may God make us like the sons of Issachar. May God give us a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit that we would know this is the thing to do in the season. There's a season to everything, my friend. Ecclesiastes says that. There's a time for everything. A time to be happy. A time to be sad. A time to, to be born. A time to die. There's time for war. And there's time for peace. There's a time for everything. And so the question becomes, do you know what season of your life you're in right now? What is the season you're in? Because if you do not know your godly ordained season, you are going to miss God. And to outplay the enemy, you must come at a point. Where you are understanding, this is God's season. This is what God is expecting me to do now. And now is the time I'm going to make my move. First of all, you should understand the divine Cairo. Secondly, you must understand the divine destiny. You should understand your personal and your corporate destiny to make sense of the enemy's threat. In other words, you should understand, why am I here? Why has God created me? Oh, I'm not just me, there's a group of people that I'm, I'm connected to that also are pursuing the purpose of God. What are we as a people supposed to be doing in this point in time? So when you have a sense of your personal destiny, a sense of the corporate destiny, then you are able to understand what the threat is about. You know, some people don't even understand the things that they're going through. They don't even understand the threat of the enemy upon their lives. But watch Esther. We're told in verse number 3. Then Queen Esther answered, If I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it please the king, let my life be granted for my wish. Right? So now she's putting things in perspective. Remember again in chapter number 4, she's the one who was reluctant when Mordecai told her, Listen, you must go to the king and you should plead on our behalf. She was hesitant. In fact, Mordecai had to challenge her and say, Listen, if you are not going to help the Jews in this time, help is going to come from some other place, and you and your house are going to perish. But who knows, maybe you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And so that's what spurred her, her on to come to a point of saying, Oh, okay, listen, me and my, and, 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 and my servants are going to fast for the next two, three days, for the next three days. And uh, I'm going to go out there, and if I perish, I perish. So she had come at a point of understanding, this is what I was created for, hallelujah. She had a sense of a personal destiny. She understood her life is worth nothing compared to this thing that she's supposed to do. Here's a problem with a lot of us. There is nothing that we would die for. There is nothing that we would die for. If your life, if there's nothing worth dying for, then your life is not worth living. Let me say that again. If there is nothing in your life worth dying for, your life is not worth living. You see, that's what destiny does to you. 
Destiny comes here, uh, uh, brings you to the point where you, you prioritize things. Where you say, this is what I'm about. This is the important thing. See, if you don't have a sense of destiny, you're going to be one confused person. Because you're going to jump into everything that comes your way. Or you're going to get scared of everything that comes your way. But she knows who she is. That's why she has come to the king, I mean the king, and is asking the king. And watch, watch how she says it. If I have found favor in your sight, O king, and it please the king, let my life be granted for my wish. In other words, kill me so that you can fulfill that wish. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. See, for her prosperity is to fulfill the, the, the will of God. Even if it means she dies in the process, it's okay. That's what she was created for. Hallelujah. Was Jesus prosperous? Twelve disciples. He called by himself. I mean, he went to the mountain to pray for them. And yet, one of the people that he prayed for, betrayed him. Oh, there were thousands and thousands of people that he fed. And yet, on the day that he was betrayed, they all ran away from him. I mean, what kind of ministry is this, Jesus? At the end of your ministry, everybody has run away from you. It's just your mommy and your auntie and your cars, John, at the cross. What kind of prosperity is that? Oh, but Jesus was very prosperous. Jesus did what God sent him to do. Even though he died on the cross. In fact, the death on the cross was the very purpose for which he came into the earth. See, you and I need to wake up. To the fact that there's a destiny of God, there's the calling of God, and if we die in the process, it's okay. That's why we are here. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And so she's not scared. She says, listen, my life for the Jews. She has a sense of personal destiny. She knows who she is. And she knows her limits. That listen, this is what I came down here for. I didn't come out here so that I can enjoy in the palace. I didn't come out here so that I can know all these famous people. I didn't come out here so that I can have the latest bands and whatever. No, I came down here to fulfill the purpose of Jesus Christ or Jehovah God. So she has this sense of a personal destiny. But notice again, there's also the sense of a corporate destiny. Right, and so we're told, or in, in that verse number three at the end, and it says, "And for and my people for my request." Right, my people for my request. Who are her people? The Jews. Who are the Jews? Well, the descendants of Abraham. Who is Abraham? The person that God chose to bring about His purposes in the earth. In Genesis chapter number twelve, we're told about Abraham that God called Abraham to bless him with uh, with many descendants, to give him a land, and also to make him a blessing to the nations. And we know that that is through the Messiah, right? And so these people have a mission. Not only has has um, Esther a mission. Not only does Esther have a mission, but also her people have a mission. There's a destiny upon their lives. Now those people are being threatened. I want you to watch, says verse number 4, For we have been sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be killed, and annihilated. So if these are the people that will bring about the purposes of God, that He has called and He has chosen, for a day before time began that they would bring about his purposes in the earth now they're under threat do you think god will just watch 
Listen, God won't do anything in the earth apart from human agency. There must be a human being in the earth that cooperates with God for God to do something. In fact, for God to save humanity, He had to come in the form of a human being, isn't it? And so in the earth for you to transact, you must have a human body or a body of some sort. And so the people that will bring about the purposes of God are these chosen people, the descendants of Abraham. And they too are under threat. So she says again, verse number 4, For we have been sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. Now maybe you've not been with us throughout all these sermons, but if you follow the story, Haman came at a point of seeking, in fact, Haman came at a point of, of seeking, uh, of doing black magic in a sense. Yeah, because Haman had people that were casting lots before him. He cast lot, they cast lots before him the first month, we're told. And month after month, all the days of that month, they cast lots before Haman. What was that all about? Well, to jinx Mordecai, to curse Mordecai and his people. And then after he used the black power, the black magic, right? Then the next thing that he does, he goes to the king and, and offers the king that, listen, there's these people that are against you, these Jews, they need to be killed. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give 10,000 talents into the treasury of the king so that one day next year, these people will be killed, all of them. And then the king said, okay, no problem. Here's my signet ring. Here's my authority. So he had the political authority. He had the spiritual authority. He had the economic authority of money. Amen. So he had all these things on his side and he was coming against these people of God. And so the people of God, at least in, 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 um, in this kingdom, in fact the people of God are facing extinction. Because it's not just in Susa, it's going to be empire-wide, which also includes Palestine. Do you think God is amused? No, God is not amused. God is not happy. See, please. Please, please, please. Tell your neighbor, please, please, please. You are of value to God. You are of value to God. And the purposes that God has in the earth, He wants to bring them out through you. And so if you're going to get killed, if things don't work out for you, then it means things for the kingdom of God never get to work out. Hallelujah. And so God will do everything to preserve you. You are valuable. You're important. One of the biggest lies the enemy brings into our lives is to tell us that you're nothing. Oh, you're useless. Oh, you're ugly. Oh, you don't have money. Oh, you're this and you're that and you're that and you're... And we start believing that. Oh, don't believe that. Don't believe that hype. Don't believe it. Because you are valuable. You are the person that God has set in the earth to bring about His purposes. Oh, but pastor, I'm not a pastor. I've not been called to ministry. Oh no, we're all ministers. All of us have a place that God has sent us to that we would represent Him. Oh, it may be in that salon. In that salon where the presence and the power of God needs to be shown to people. Hallelujah. Amen. And I'm sure when you're doing the hair, mind tumble, that you end up having conversations with those people. I'm sure they start confiding things in you, isn't it? Yeah, that, that's the way it works. That's where we've been called to, to share the gospel. You're in that bus for four hours. You're sitting next to this person. Probably he has set you there so that you can share the gospel to that person. 
But here's my point. In the various vocations, in the jobs, in the businesses, in being a student, whatever, God has set us there to bring about His purposes there. And so all of us are in ministry. Everybody is in full-time ministry. Because sometimes people say, oh, you know, you're in full-time ministry. We, we all are in full-time ministry. Amen. It's just that our spheres of ministry are different. Amen. Amen. Tell your neighbor, our spheres of ministry are different. But we all are in ministry. So then, there's this thing about the people of God being stopped. God is going to do something about this. And notice too, that the people of God are not just good for the kingdom of God. They are good for the common good, for society. Watch what she says next. If we had been sold merely as slaves, men and women, I would have been silent. For our affliction is not to be compared with the loss of the king. Right? And so, what she's basically saying is, look, if it was just about us being sold, it's okay. But destroying us and the value that we bring to your kingdom really is bringing a loss to the kingdom of God. Or that there will be such great Christians in our society. That would be there, would function for the common good. Or that there would be Christians with a sense of destiny. That the reason I'm a PS in this ministry is so that I can ensure that there's justice and fairness done in Malawi. Oh, but it is very sad, isn't it? The very people that go to church, most probably the elders in our churches, are the ones that are, are robbing this country blind. Isn't it true? Yeah. Yes. I'm sure if we're going to go on the list of the cash getters, we'll find people that go to church every Sunday. If you're going to go around and see in the hospitals, those that are stealing the, the gloves, there's this guy, I don't know if you, if you saw this in the paper, he stole 1.5 million quarter worth of, of, of surgical gloves or something. Right? Why would he even do that? I'm sure if we check with that guy, we'd find out, oh, look, this person goes to church. Malawi is not poor because people are uneducated. Uh -uh. The leaders at the top, they're very educated people. They've gone to the best schools in the world. And yet, you hear of Maysgate. Hallelujah! Listen, this Christianity is not for heaven. Tell your neighbor, Christianity is not for heaven. Christianity is for now. And so we need people that have a sense of their destiny. People that can represent the kingdom of God. People who when they, they are sent to places of authority, they can do the will of God. What does God want? He wants us to live justly. To love our neighbors ourselves, isn't it? That's the kind of, 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 of kingdom that we come from. And if we're citizens of that kingdom, would want that wherever it is that we go, we would represent that kingdom by being people that love the Lord our God with all our hearts, all our minds, and all our strength. And also being people that love our neighbors as ourselves. So as believers, there is in us the thing that looks out for the common good of society. That's our destiny too, did you know? Our destiny is not just to go to heaven. Our destiny is not just to, 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 to preach the good news. It's also to live the good news. Where we represent the kingdom of justice, the kingdom of peace, of righteousness, and of love from whence we have come. And we represent it down here. And the people start seeing our lights. Jesus says we are a city on a hill. 
We are the salt of the earth. We preserve, we bring preservation to society. We are the light of the world. It is us that the world looks at and says, listen, that's the way to live. Oh, but it's unfortunate today, isn't it? That you cannot say that about the church. You want to live like the church? You be a political party. Hallelujah. And so the people of God, are those people that, uh, in fact, here we see the people of God being under threat from the enemy. What's your destiny? What's your destiny? What are you about? Why did God create you? What is your purpose in the earth? Are you just wasting our oxygen? Miles Monroe said, Where purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. Where purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. In other words, if you do not know your purpose or the purpose of something, you are going to abuse that thing or you're going to abuse yourself because you do not know your purpose. Oh, may we have this heart, this mind that Paul had that we see in Philippians chapter number 3, I think. Where he says that I pursue God so that I can, I can, I can comprehend, I can, I, can, I, can, I can catch the thing for which he, he, he saved me for. See, he says I, I press on so that I can grab hold of that thing for which he grabbed hold of me. What is your purpose? Ask your neighbor, what is your purpose? See, when you know your purpose, then you know where you fit in the body of Christ. Hallelujah. When you know your purpose, when you know what you're about, then you can know why you are part of this group. Why are you at Kairos? Why are you here? Well, I just like the fact that you meet in a hotel. Ah, not a good idea. Oh, well, I kind of like, like the music. Uh-uh, not a good idea. Well, I like the preaching. No, not a good idea. You must have a sense of vision and purpose for your life that makes you to say, this is the place I belong to. Because then we can start doing business church. Otherwise, we'll just be playing church. When we have a sense of our personal destiny, a sense of our corporate destiny, then we'll start to be powerful and we'll start to be dangerous to the kingdom of uh, darkness. It's about knowing your purpose, knowing your destiny. You should understand divine destiny. What did God create you for? And the first one I said, you should understand divine kairos. Hallelujah. Amen. And then here's the next one. You should understand divine boldness. You should be bold to stand against the enemy and what he represents. Now here's the big picture. In as much as we're seeing here, um, Mordecai and Haman. Now if you remember again, Mordecai and Haman, uh, Mordecai is a Jew of the tribe of Benjamin, and Haman is an Amalekite. In fact, he's called an Agagite in Esther. But an Agagite will be a descendant of Agag, who was an Amalekite. Now the Amalekites, God had said to Israel, from Genesis chapter, Exodus chapter number 17, that look, these guys, you shall not stop to have war against them. Why? Well, because when Israel was in a corner in the wilderness, when they were about to, uh, when they were on their journey to go and take over the promised land, it was the Amalekites that attacked them. Why were the Amalekites attacking them? So that they don't move into their destiny. Hallelujah. Some of you, you need to wake up. 
Wake up to the fact that the attacks on you, the attacks on your family, the attacks on your job, they're really about stopping you from getting into the destiny that God has for you. Hallelujah. Right? And so they were stopping the destiny of the people of Israel. And so God said, you should make war of them. And so Moses sends Joshua to fight the Amalekites in the valley while Moses is on some hill. And as long as Moses is lifting up his stuff, the stuff of God or the rod of God, Israel is prevailing. When he puts it down, Israel fails down there. They're, they're, they're being conquered. And so there has to be um, two people, Aaron and her, who stand on either side, lift up his arms, and he can lift up that rod, and then Israel prevails against the Amalekites. Oh, fast forward so many hundreds of years later. In the time of Saul, the word of God comes to Samuel. And Samuel says, listen, Saul, you go and fight the Amalekites. Go and fight Agag and finish them all off. Because they were the ones that were stopping you from moving into the destiny that I have for you. Please remember, the world is contested space. Amen. It's contested space. The job that you want, somebody is on it or somebody is also contesting for that job. And so for God to give you that job, it means that God must display somebody, right? Yeah. Yeah. The wife that you want. Bring it home. Come on now. <laughs> the wife that you want. There are also other people that want that one for a wife. Amen. Well, let me put it this way. The wife that you have. There are also others that want that wife. I'm telling you. <laughs> it's contested space. Amen. It's not just for single people. It's for everyone. It's contested space. The devil wants to turn this whole thing upside down. So you lose your mind and you don't do the right thing. So it's, it's, it's contested space. Tell your neighbor, it's contested space. And so God says, finish up the Amalekites. Saul failed to do it. Saul failed to do it. Saul was called, was actually the son of Kish. He was a Benjaminite. And here's what we hear when we come to Esther. We hear that Mordecai is actually a descendant of Kish. He's also a Benjaminite. And so in a sense now, Mordecai is paying back for, or, or, or is revenging, or is it, this is round two of Agag and, uh, and, 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 and uh, Saul. Right? And so watch, this is a battle. This is an enemy that is trying his best to ensure that the people of Israel do not fulfill their God-given purpose. Now, of course, we can rewind all the way back. Back to the Garden of Eden, where we have Satan, the serpent. Who, again, when, when, when God has put humanity in the earth, wants to... To, to take the authority that is on humanity from humanity. See, Satan is a coward. Satan can't come against God. Some of us, we think that on one side is Jesus and the other side is Satan. No, 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 no. no. Satan is a little ghetto boy. He's, 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 he's nothing. Ghetto youth. Like I say in Jamaica. Right? He's a little ghetto youth. He doesn't go for him. He sends Michael. And Michael hooked him up there in heaven. Read Revelation chapter number 12. He kicked him out of there. And actually the, an angel says, Woe to you, the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, seeking whom he may devour. Right? So he's thrown down here. One zero in heaven, isn't it? Thrown down here. At the cross, boom, again. Two zero. 
And Jesus says, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and nothing shall harm you. He says, oh no, just be careful of the, of the devil because he's a roaring lion seeking whom to devour, whom you should steadfastly come against. So he's losing through zero with you. Yeah, with you he's losing three zero. Because you're going to resist him. And you're going to move into your destiny. Hallelujah. I, I don't know if I'm, if I'm with the right people here. I may be with people that already are conquered. Are we conquered already? Okay. And so understand that there's this boldness that we need so that we can stand against the enemy. Listen to how Esther speaks. We're told in verse number 5, The king, then king Ahasuerus, said to Queen Esther, Who is he? And where is he? Who has dared to do this? And Esther said, verse number 6, A foe and enemy, this wicked Haman. Then Haman was terrified before the king. Oh, watch this now. Haman has been discovered. Haman has been prayed. Up until this time, he just didn't know what was happening. He thought he had everything in control. Hallelujah. He thought he had everything in control. He thought, I'm going to kill off these Jews. I'm going to kill them off and there will be no Jew living in the earth. The purposes of God will be gone. And then God, just like that, with the boldness of a woman that he has called. And I want you to watch this. This is a woman. God is using a woman to save a whole nation. Ah, let me say it again. Yeah. See, because we live in a culture where we look down on women. Where we think that the girl child is not as important as the boy child. Where the girl child can come from school and she must do the pots and do the chores at home. Whereby, and whereas the, the boy child can go and do his homework and play however he wants to play. And come home and demand for the food that the girl child cooked. Hello. Yes. And so God is using a woman. Oh, may we wake up, church. God uses women too. He uses women. Women make up 51% of our population. If you cut out women from involvement, you're cutting out 51% of the nation. Hallelujah. But I want you to watch this. This is a woman who stepped up. Isn't it? She stepped up to the task. She didn't say, no, I'm a woman. I can't do that. She was available for the task. So you can be a woman and say hallelujah. But if you're not available for the task, how can God use you? Hallelujah. Women in Kairos. If you're not available for the work of the ministry, how can God use you? One woman said amen. Hallelujah. So she was available. So God uses her. And watch her boldness. She says it's this Haman here. Notice exclamation marks. I tell you my standard three teacher told me. Exclamation mark means you shout. And she's shouting. Oh it is this Haman. No fear on her. Oh I tell you. There comes a time when there must be a divine boldness on you. When you, you. when you must speak against that enemy. When you must speak against that devil. Oh yes, sometimes it takes for you to wake up in the middle of the night and say, Devil, I've had enough of you. Because here's what God says about me. He says, I shall live and not die. And give my praises in the land of the living. Oh yes, sometimes you need to wake up, my friend. You need to encourage yourself. You need to speak the truth of who God is to the enemy. Unfortunately, we are breeding a Christianity 
where people are more scared of the devil than God. Where lives and uh, you know Christian lives are lived around fear of the devil. Where people go to church so that they can be prayed for against stuff from witchcraft and whatever. And that's what their Christianity is about. Never about who they are in Christ, what their destiny is about, and what God expects them to accomplish in the earth. Oh, and so Sunday after Sunday, deliverance, 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 deliverance. Spend all our time delivering each other. We're not sharing the gospel. Do you think the devil is happy? Yeah. And then the question becomes, why is it that every Sunday we are, you, you, we are delivering you? How? What happened? Every Sunday we're delivering you? So it, it, it came back in again? Who let it in? It's you. It's you. And listen, church, we need to watch out with this deliverance stuff. I'm for deliverance. I believe that, you know, people can come at a point where they're demonized and they... And then demons need to be exorcised, to be chased from there. But a demon does not come in unless you let it in. It just doesn't come by itself. You let it in. You did something to bring it in. Hallelujah. You did something to bring it in. And so if Sunday after Sunday we are casting it out from you, you are busy bringing it in. And you know the way those things are like? I mean, you can spend like 30 minutes, 2 hours casting one out. Come on. I don't want to be doing that Sunday in, Sunday out. Especially since you're going back there and doing it yourself. Find somebody else to do that for you. <laughs> Too much work. Hmm? If you stay in the Word. If you stay in the Word. And you understand the Word. And you walk in the Word. He won't have a place to come into your life. Not every silly little demon anyway. They won't have a space to come into your life. If you are walking according to the word of God. If you are walking in the light of his word. I tell you. He will have no power to come into you. And so she knows. And she has this boldness. May you also have this boldness. May you understand that he has given you authority. To trample on snakes and scorpions. And that nothing shall harm you. May you understand that we are the church of Jesus Christ. And we have been given the key of the kingdom. And the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Oh, may you know you have authority in the name of Jesus. You are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, far above every power, every principality, every name that can be named in this age and in the one that is to come. Oh, you are powerful. You are powerful. If you're a believer, you are powerful. If you're walking with Christ, you are powerful. Be bold. Be bold. Oh, some of these things you need to tell them. I'm not going to get sick. I'm not going to get sick with that. I refuse that in the name of Jesus. Because he has said he's Jehovah Rapha. And he has said that he'll put none of the diseases of Egypt on his people. And so I refuse that headache. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Stop saying, oh, you know, it's, 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 it's my high blood pressure. Your high blood pressure since when? Oh, it's my diabetes. Did you invent diabetes? It's not yours. You refuse it. Here's my default setting. Disease, sickness, when it comes on us, the thing we should do is refuse it. We should pray for healing. Unless God says no. Why? Well, he was wounded for iniquities. He was bruised for our transgressions. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. So healing is in the atonement. When you believed, there's healing already in there. Watch it. There's no health in there. Health means you're not going to get sick. 
Healing assumes you'll get sick. Still a fallen world, right? Jesus hasn't come back, right? So bad things still happen, even to good people, right? Yes, so we will get sick. When we get sick, let's call on Him for healing. Unless He tells us, no, I'm not going to heal you. Because this is your exit to come back to me. Hallelujah. Isn't it? So let's have this boldness. You see, I don't know if you're watching what's happening here. In as much as God is outplaying Satan, He's using human agency, He's using Esther. Isn't it? God wants to use you to outplay the enemy. Yes, God is doing it, but God wants to do it with you. Can't He do it by Himself? Isn't He all-powerful? No, He chooses to use you. I don't know, but remember in school, maybe there was that bully. I hope you're not the bully, but maybe it was that bully that would come and scare you, take your lunch or whatever it is, slap you, whatever it is that bullies do. And then you had an older brother, bigger friend of somebody. And you, you told on the bully, oh, you know, he was kicking me, he was beating me up and all. Is that the one? Yeah. Okay. Here's what you should do. Give him a slap back. I mean, that's a very irresponsible older brother, but sometimes they, they, they would do stuff like that, isn't it? And how would you feel? Yes! Isn't it? I'm giving back! Listen, God has given us a chance to give back to the one that's messing up our lives. He has given us the authority to resist him, to come against him. You better use it with boldness. Amen. Don't just take anything lying down. So they start scaring you at work. You know, we're not too sure about your job here. Your job may, may actually be, uh, be gone. We don't know about next year and the plans that we have next year. That's the time that you go to God. God, listen, you have put me in this place to bring influence in this place. And so I'm refusing to be redundant in this house. Pass me over, oh God. Pass me over, oh God. Oh, I tell you, some of these things are just waiting for your boldness. They're just waiting for your boldness. You are not going to move into that blessing until you rise up and you're bold. If you're not bold, you will lose that job. If you're not bold, you will lose that marriage. If you're not bold, things are not going to work out for you. God expects that you would be bold. And you would declare who you are in God. And you would say that this is who I am. This is what the word of God says that I am. And so, that's who I am. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, be bold. Number four. You should understand divine favor. You should know that God's favor is on you. So people will actually fight for you. God's favor is on you, and so people will actually fight for you. Watch verse number 7, it says, And the king arose in his wrath from the wine drinking, and went into the palace garden. But Haman stayed to beg for his life from Queen Esther, for he saw that harm was determined against him by the king. Now watch this. When this is happening, Haman pleading for his life from the king and the queen, the king walks out and is in the palace garden. What do you think that he's thinking? Maybe things are coming into place right now. Huh. So that's why this Haman guy gave all that money to kill the Jews. Now he's starting to figure things out. Oh. So he's making me give him my signet ring. Making me issue a decree. Was so that he could... Kill the Jews. 
kill my wife. <laughs> so he's catching it. Because you see, you know sometimes you just need time, space by yourself. Eh? Some fact has just hit you from nowhere you never expected. And you just need, look, I, I just need time by myself. So he goes into the palace garden. He rises from his drinking. And then we hear that he comes back into that room again. Verse number 8. And the king returned from the palace garden to the place where they were drinking wine. As Haman was falling on the couch where Esther was. Right? So Haman wasn't doing anything harmful per se. But he was still pleading. Oh, but this man was mad. Mad. And the king said, Will he even assault the queen in my presence in my own house? And the word left the, as the word left the mouth of the king, they covered Haman's face. <laughs> I don't know if you watch those movies. I watch action movies. It's not a sin, right? I hope so. Right? But, you know, sometimes when you're getting that enemy, they just cover him with some chiguduri, some whatever, sackcloth. Just cover him. And then they take him away screaming and whatever. That's the scenery you have here. Haman, the one who challenged, the one who said, I'm going to kill them all, is the one that gets to be arrested. Watch, all this is because of Esther. All this is being done on behalf of the people of God. I want you to watch this. There comes a time when God will make the enemy fight himself. Hallelujah. God is a, an Aikido expert. Yeah, Aikido, Aikido. Steven Seagal. Oh, action movies, sorry. But Aikido, you don't use your energy, your force against the enemy. Uh -uh. You use the enemy's force against himself. And so when they throw a blow, all you do is you pull them. When they do whatever, you pull them. And you use their own force to fight themselves and defeat them. Oh, that's what God is doing. He's using these people that are against the kingdom of God. Because watch this. Xerxes is not really a good guy. Xerxes is not really a good guy. I mean, Xerxes, if he's going to get people killed just like this, I mean, he's not a good guy, isn't it? Right? Yeah. And so then, it doesn't matter who's good and who's not good. What matters is who's on God's side and who's not. May I say that again? It doesn't matter who's good and who's not. What matters is who's on God's side and who's not on God's side. Oh, you know, that's a really nice gentleman. He never drinks, he never cusses, he, he never womanizes, he never does all things. He's a really, really nice person. Are they born again? No, I don't think so. Well, they're going to hell. No, but they're really good. No, 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 no. No, it has nothing to do with that. If that person has not given his life or her life over to the kingdom of God, that person is in the kingdom of darkness. Do you know there's nobody good? There's nobody good. As far as God is concerned, we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so here is God using the enemy to fight the enemy. Using the enemy to fight the enemy. And here we see the favor of God upon this woman. God will bring people into your life that will be favorable to you. In fact, may God bring people into your life that will show you favor. Oh, it happened with Daniel. 
Oh, Daniel, there was a gentleman in the house of the king, a eunuch, who God made him to find favor with. Oh, it happened with Joseph. There were people along in Joseph's life that were favorable to Joseph. And so that Joseph was able to even come to the point where he was prime minister of Egypt. Oh, may God bring you favor with people. May God open doors for you through people. Do you know it's not what you know, it's who you know? At times it's not what you know, it's who you know. May God bring people that will open doors for you so that you can get to the next level of your kingdom influence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me recap again. Number one, you should understand divine kairos. What's number two? Divine destiny. You should understand divine destiny. What's number three? You should understand divine boldness. What's number four? You should understand divine favor. So here's the last one. You should understand divine vengeance. You should know that God will execute judgment on the enemy by himself. Right? And so we see here, like I said, the enemy attacks himself. And King Xerxes attacks Haman, whom he gave the signet ring, the personnel, and the money to annihilate the Jews. Watch verse number 9. It says, Then Harbona, one of the eunuchs in attendance on the king, said, Moreover, the gallows that Haman has prepared for Mordecai, whose word so saved the king, is standing at Haman's house 50 cubits high. And the king said, Hang him on that. So Haman had built a gallows to hang Mordecai on. 50 cubits high, 23 meters. And I think we're about 23 meters here, isn't it? You're about 30 meters from the ground right now. That's how high. He wasn't just about killing Mordecai. He was killing Mordecai in such a way that everybody sees Mordecai has been killed. See, that's, that's how the enemy works. He just doesn't want to make you fail. He wants to make you fail in such an embarrassing way. Everybody sees you have fallen. You have failed. Right? And then, uh, verse number 10 we hear, So they hung Haman the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the wrath of the king was abated. Now I want you to watch this. Because you see, I think sometimes we fall into the trap of thinking that the enemy is actually people. When we think of our enemies, we're usually thinking about those people that are stopping us from moving into what we feel is God's destiny for us, isn't it? And so the boss who doesn't like us, the teacher who hates our gods, and whoever that we feel is blocking us from moving into what God has called us to be, we usually think that they are the enemies. Now we should watch out again, because you see, from our African traditional religious background, you know in African traditional religious background, there is no Satan. There's no Satan in Chewa traditional religion. There's no Satan. It's only evil people. Evil people with their evil charms and evil whatever that want to harm us. And so the tendency, I think, when we think of enemies, we're always thinking people, 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 people. No, the Bible shows us that we should go beyond people. Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, isn't it? So our enemy is one singular, Satan. And that enemy can manifest himself through the actions of other people. But the issue is not those people. The issue is God. So watch out. When you go to that so-called prophet. Or is it prophet? And they tell you. Your trouble is because so and so has bewitched you. And they tell you who so and so is. Problem. Because that one is now practicing African traditional religion. Because now he's telling you that your problem is with that person. Amen. 
And there are people here that are prophetic. And maybe you're praying for somebody and you have, maybe God shows you that, oh, it's such, such a person. Please don't tell people that. Why? Because all you do is you're just breeding hatred amongst people. You're not bringing a solution. Amen. You're not bringing a solution. Right? And so we need again to see who our enemies. It is Satan. It is Satan. So even as we struggle, the person that is stopping us, the person that is ensuring we don't move into the destiny that God has for us is Satan. And we know the end of Satan. In Revelation we're told, one day is going to come when he's going to be thrown into the lake of fire. Up until then, my friend, we still have battles going on. Because the enemy is very much alive. The enemy will try his best to outplay you, outplay me. We should know that. And that's why we need to live our lives in a vigilant manner. A vigilant manner. Because this enemy wants to outplay us. Oh, thanks be to God. That he is outplaying the enemy, outplaying the player. And here's what I want you to go home with. You are not at the mercy of the enemy. You should take responsibility for the destiny and the calling that God has set for you in the earth. You should take responsibility of it and you should fight for it. And so that it happens, it manifests itself. If you have not come at a point where you know what your purpose is, what your destiny is, may you seek God. May you seek God. May you pray to God. God, show me. May you go to people that can father you spiritually. People that can help you understand how life goes and so that they can also help you see that. Oh, listen, uh, you are this. Hallelujah. You are called to do this. If you do not do that, you are going to be played over and over by the enemy. You will not move into what God has called you to move. Make it a point that you say, Lord, show me my destiny because I want to move in my destiny. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to the Kairos Lolongwe podcast. I trust you've been blessed. Please do us a favor and share this podcast with friends on Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp, and whatever social media you're on. May the Lord break you through into your kingdom destiny. Blessings.